1: Saturday mornings come around again, and it's time for Let's Talk Gardening. Yes. Let's go gardening. Here we are. Faye is here, and I'm going to call her Princess Sparkle this morning. Faye, what have you done to those glasses?
2: Well, I have a little uh, little bit of embellishment on them, Chris. <laughs> they're diamentes with butterflies.
1: Oh, they're wonderful. Where are they? heck did you find those? They're gorgeous.
2: Oh, spec savers.
1: Uh, <laughs> of ooh. course. Mm, say no more. Well, it's lovely to be here. I believe that Ray is recovering and everything is going along well, but it's a, a pleasure to be sitting in with you this morning. How's your week been?
2: Thank you. I've had a lovely week just back from the Gold Coast. Oh. I managed to dodge all that terrible weather mm. that uh, increased our rainfall average, which was fantastic. Mm. Um, we had a week at Coolangatta. R- There was a rock and roll festival (laughs) there. We did an eco-cruise on the Tweed River and recharged our batteries in the sunshine.
1: So you have come back fully recharged?
2: Well, no, because holidays are never a rest, Chris.
1: Yeah, yeah. there's always got to be a certain amount of energy that you expend even on holidays. You come back thinking, well, I'm sort of
2: 75% there. Well, you burn the candle at both ends. There's dancing in the day and entertainment at night and catching yeah. up with friends and eating out. And but you
1: knew that going in and oh, you came yes. out feeling, well, that was fun. What the heck? It
2: was. And we got, we got through all our plane trips. We wore our masks and no COVID. Still haven't had COVID. Well, I had it, as you know, about four mm. weeks ago.
1: Caught it on a, a flight coming back from a mine site, which has got a lot of COVID rolling around it at the moment. I and nobody understand. wants to report it. But some of them are caught at home, which is unfortunate because uh, they just can't get out of bed. Which well, is what I know it does it's
2: going through the aged care mm. centres too at the moment, yeah. which is a and shame. Flu. But I was very careful because mm. I'm very involved with old people and mm. young people, very young people. Mm. And so I do my best to keep to myself, maintain hygiene, lots of hand washing and masks when required. Did you have
1: a flu jab this year? Not yet. It's on the on the list. It's
2: it's another (laughs) one of those jobs that I'm procrastinating about, Chris.
1: Procrastinating. What is this word?
2: Well, I I learned it yesterday. I was telling Ray that I was. Heavily avoiding doing my tax preparation, Mm -hmm. so I found myself cleaning and tidying until there was no more to do. (laughs) I even sorted all my pens, so checking that there was any ink in them. And since about 12 months ago, half of them have dried up. So (laughs) anyway, yeah, it is a real thing. I even Googled it. And you, you do everything else but what you're supposed to do. To
1: avoid the inevitable.
2: Well, and to get in the right headspace because it's a lot easier mm. to tackle those jobs you dislike mm. when, when all the spaces are clean. And, you know, the thing with me, Chris, is when the sun's shining, I, I'm just pulled outside. Mm. I just I look out the window. There'll be a bird that I haven't seen before. And before you know it, well, you know how that goes,
1: you walk away
2: well i find at... I find slime mold yeah. and fungi yeah. and there's things to things take to photos fascinate. of, like it's winter, and you'd think it's cold and drizzly. No way put on your boots and get out there there's There's so much life, there's color, there's patterns in nature, you know it's it's addictive.
1: Well, obviously, (laughs) (laughs) by the look on your face and the sparkle on your glasses. Well, here we are. It's uh, ten minutes past eight. Bev's on the phone this morning and, as always, doing a superb job taking your calls when they come in on 94841927 or, alternatively, email us with your questions. If you haven't got time to sit around and wait on the phone, gardening at curtainfm.com.au. Also, our master researcher, John Glidden, is out the back here picking up on all sorts of information that you may pose to us as a question that necessarily Faye doesn't have the answer for immediately, but we'll do our best to find out what we can as quickly as we can. We'll take questions on notice. Now, Faye, tell us about our guests this morning.
2: Well, we have got Samantha Smith, and she is the author of Harriet's Hungry Worms. Mm. And this is a story for worm warriors and curious composters. So it's a children's book that she's written. It's been illustrated and it, it tells, tells us lots of interesting facts about worms. And, you know, Chris, coming up in a couple of weeks are the school holidays and I think mm. there is nothing better than doing a, a project. You, you don't even have to have kids or grandkids, but making up a a worm farm using recycled materials. So upcycling a polystyrene box with things that you've got lying around and you can actually recycle your own waste and turn it into a product that can fertilize your plants. I but, mean, it, that ticks all the
1: boxes, yeah. doesn't it? But if you're not that handy to create something yourself, you can always buy them. They all come in, in pre-molded kits. We've got one in our back garden, and Absolutely. Boy, the wormies are going mad. They're well, producing lots of good juice.
2: When we had five of us all living at home before mm. the children spread their wings, I found that the, the small worm farms weren't big enough but we had an old bathtub and so I layered that up and that's where I put a lot of my food scraps. And, you know, the, the, there's lots of things that you've mm. got lying around that you could turn into a worm farm. Put it in a shady spot and best kind of near your kitchen or near your back door where where you'll use it, yep. where you can keep an eye on it, keep it out of the sun in 40 degrees, sometimes in summer, you'd give it a sprinkle of water. And then the, the liquid that flows through is a leachate that you can dilute and give to your plants. It's organic.
1: Wonderful. And, of course, a healthy garden is a garden with worms. All our compost bins have lovely worms. But I was interested that Samantha completed a doctoral research um, degree of exploring young people's relationships with the environment and ways to encourage sustainable habits. So this book really must, um, you might say, hit it on the nose and <laughs> attract young people exactly come on mum come on dad
2: uh, yeah and you know what with everything that's happening at the moment chris it can be really um almost debilitating to see what's going on around the world what it was like when we were kids bush next door cubbies etc in Mm. the bush and you know things have changed a lot Mm. what's it going to be like for when our our grandchildren Mm. are growing up they won't know Anyway,
1: I agree with you. Now, besides, do besides Samantha, uh, a great favourite and friend of the program you have in, on the second hour of the program. Thank you for inviting Dr. Bob Longmore.
2: <laughs> well, I know I can just sit back and let you do oh. that. Um But yes, he's he's a, a listener favourite. So always good to to have him on the show. And you know what? We don't even really have to have a topic. We'll just see where it goes. But it's, it's all like, about winter and what's happening in the garden. You
1: just wind up dog, uh, Bob and say, Bob, tell us about <laughs> uh, life in the forest, and he
2: off he goes. That's right. And, and he's an absolute fountain of knowledge. Sorry, sure you were going to say. Oh, well, let's talk to Gary from Ravenswood.
1: Okay, let's talk to Gary. Good morning to you. How are you, Gary?
3: Good morning. How are
1: you guys?
2: Very good, thanks, Gary. How can we help you?
3: Yeah, Yes, I'm digging in my veggie garden, which hasn't been very productive last year. Oh. And I had a passion fruit growing around the edge of it, which hasn't done very well. And when I dug the, I dug the roots up because it started going rotten. So I thought I'll pull it out. And I've never seen nematodes before, but I used Doctor Google, and I think I've got nematodes.
2: So little now, nodules so, on the roots of yeah, the passion fruit.
3: Yeah, re- yeah really bad. Oh, okay. I, I, now I read you can put a crop of mustard seeds in.
2: Exactly, yes.
3: And I also read you can cover it with black plastic and leave it and try and, for now, I know we're going into winter, would I get enough heat if I did the plastic or
2: Well, am I better off doing the Oh, look, I, th- I think I'd go with the mustard. I wouldn't plant the same thing in the same place. Uh, if you've heard about crop rotation, yeah, then yeah, it's a yeah, good idea to rotate. Marigolds also are another beneficial plant that you can put in the garden and they emit something through the ground and through their roots. So planting a, a couple of punnets of marigolds in the area will help fight against nematodes and also I imagine Ravenswood. do you have quite sandy soil?
3: Yeah, it's a raised bed and I've improved it quite a bit over the years and put a lot of, I used to mow lawn so I have put lawn, that's what I built them for, these garden beds, so I put lawn clippings in and let them rot down and then I've I put all sorts in there and it's pretty good soil.
2: So Well, that sounds good. The only other thing I was going to say is there was some something I read and learned about a few years ago and the addition of clay and compost can actually help repel or ward off against nematodes and there had been problems with carrots growing and when the roots were taken out, they were all knobbly. Now... I tried this and I managed to get in the same space clean carrots mm-hmm. out of an area that I had prepared with clay and compost. So that that possibly is something else worth trying along with your marigolds but also with your mustard seeds. And Costa actually talked about that on Gardening Australia last night. Well,
3: mm. well the- I actually I Googled nematodes this morning and, and I can't remember the... Uh, Jeremy Colby-Williams. He Jerry, yes. A, yeah, Jer, Jerry, yeah. He did a, a section on it, and that's where I got the uh, mustard. I had heard that before. Maybe I, I did watch it last night, so maybe it was then. But, um, but yeah, Jerry did talk about planting mustard, and, and uh, I thought, well, that's what I'm going to do. But now, is it, am I too late to plant the mustard now? Or Not too- at all.
2: Not at all. Because now... You know, if you're thinking, well, you can start to get ready for your spring crops. Um, so you put it, plant the seeds, wait for them to come up before they flower, chop them and turn them in and go go away with your next crop. So they'll be pretty yeah. quick. Will they? Eh? Yeah, very quick.
3: Okay. Okay. Then we'll, I'm going to go get, get some mustard seeds. All right. And, 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 is, and, and is there, sorry, one last one. Is there different Mustard's get like like the hotter the
2: better or? Well, there's red mustard seed and yellow mustard seed. And, the you choice know, is at, yours. at one point when I was cleaning up my pantry, mm. I realised I had all these mustard seeds that had probably sat there for years. And I thought, oh, righty let's go and throw these in the garden and see what happens. And? But, well, you can, mm. and they did work. But also I then later learnt that, it wasn't advisable to plant seeds that were designed for eating. You should really only be planting seeds that have been supplied for gardening. Mm-hmm. And this was partly oh. because they, you know, they come into the country through other other sources. Mm-hmm. And so yeah, seeds yeah. that have come through quarantine are, I guess, certified yeah. disease free yeah. or locally grown. And seeds that have come from maybe Asian countries Mm -hmm. are not looked at in the same way and could potentially have something.
1: Because they've not been germinated, so we just don't know what they're carrying. um,
2: They're treated differently, aren't they? Seeds for eating might not be treated at all. And certain seeds would carry perhaps certain problems, viruses. Yep.
3: Mm. Yep. Okay, then I'll get down to the garden centre and get some... Mustard season planned today. Good oh, on you, Gary. Good on
2: you. Okay. Nothing
1: Thanks like taking much, ta- taking later. the. by thank you for your call, Gary. There's nothing like taking the bull by the horns and getting mm. on with the job. And Gary in Ravenswood is going to do that. We were talking about you escaping the uh, the rainfall this past mm. week while you were sunning it on the Gold Coast. Let me give you some facts. John supplied me with this uh, Perth rainfall. What what do we measure rain in? Are we are we measuring in inches or centimeters?
2: Oh, centimeters, Chris. Okay.
1: Okay. So the average for this time of the year. By June, we should... Well, June average is 126.9, average. This month alone, so far, we are at the 17th of the month, of 193 centimetres. Now, for the year-on-year running total, uh, for um, the average is 303.5, and so far, this year, this month, we... Sorry, this year total... Um, between 303.5, which is the average, the fall has been 306.6. So <laughs> we are ahead of the game already. Um,
2: Chris, it's millimetres. Oops. Millimetres. <laughs> of
1: course. Thank you, John. Thank you
2: Yes, yeah, so i just got a tap on the shoulder. What well, he didn't a put cinching.
1: it John, Well, that doesn't matter. That's the fascinating news, but we're well ahead, and I hope all the good moisture is getting into the dams and people have been enjoying seeing their gardens getting saturated. Mm. Can we get too much rain?
2: Well, you know what, Chris? Uh, You sort of can, depending on what you're growing and what your soil's like, Mm. but Perth (laughs) is sandy. sandy. Perth, the the coastal plains are sandy, Mm. Mm. and our drainage is fantastic. We have got, I know people say it's poor soil, but the drainage is fantastic, and we can amend it to grow just about anything. And in the southwest corner... We grow 50% of plant species.
1: Fantastic. Across
2: the world. Fantastic. I think.
1: More, f- more fabulous news and, and information and knowledge, most of all, from Fay here on Let's Talk Gardening on Curtain FM. Thank you, Robin Willerton, for uh, correcting me. The measurement is in millimetres, not centimetres. But isn't the, uh, or aren't the facts about the rainfall so far this year just amazing? We should be so lucky. Time for us to uh, pause. It is 21 minutes past uh, eight.
4: Curtain Radio!
1: 23 minutes past 8, you're on Curtain FM, Faye Akaro in the studio, Chris Bartlett here, uh, panelling the show today because Ray is taking the weekend off, and why not? And looking so refreshed after her week in uh, the Gold Coast, uh, Faye is just bursting with energy, which is just so wonderful. Uh, just. Just making this studio so very warm Looking forward to your calls on anything that may be on your mind about gardening Not always troubles, but maybe tips you can share with us all That's what we're here for until 10 o'clock Now, our first guest of this morning is a lovely lady called Samantha Smith Let's introduce her to our listeners Good morning, Samantha
2: Good morning, how are you? Very well We're very well. Lovely to have you on the show and we're very excited to hear about the book that you've put together and most of all, Samantha, why you've put it together.
5: Oh, look, thank you for having me on the program. So the book that I have written is called Harriet's Hungry Worms and it's a children's picture book that is based around worm farming. Uh, And I put it together because my children were learning about worm farming at kinder and primary school and we decided to set up a worm farm at home and wanted to get a picture book to help support their learning and I was trying to find a storybook on worm farms to go with it that was fun and informative. Um, my youngest was three or four at the time and she wasn't interested in sitting down and going through the non-fiction kids' books on composting with me. So, when, <laughs> Understandable. I yeah, understandable. I guess that's what really inspired me to write one. So I sat down with my... Three children, and um, we had a had a look at what makes a good picture book work for them. And I wanted to get one that that wasn't too overwhelming, um, and that was fun uh, and informative at the same time. And we came up with
2: Harriet's Hungry Worms. Oh, that's I love th- this idea. Yeah. And what sort of content is in the book? What What do the children learn? So
5: it follows the story of Harriet, um, who's a little girl whose job in her household is to feed her worm farm. And every day she feeds the worms something different and they um, react accordingly. Uh, And at the end of the week, she, she thinks it's all a bit boring, but then she's surprised with worm tea or what she calls worm wee <laughs> and uh, that gets met with schools of delight based on the the few readings that i've done to to kids of the book so far um so they get to learn about uh worms and there's some worm facts at the end of the book and also just some things to keep in mind on, on what worms like and and sometimes don't really like to eat in in their worm farm so it's really just about getting kids interested in it and um, and and learning a bit along the way. There's also some amazing illustrations in it that I didn't do because uh, illustrations and I are, are not not a match.
2: Can't really You can't, do it, but, um, you can't be good at everything, Samantha. No way. <laughs> well, I was lucky
5: enough to have um, Melissa Johns, who's amazingly talented, and she did the illustrations, and she's used recycled materials throughout. So. Uh, there's there's an old tea bag in there, and there's an old bath mat, and so as the children are reading the story, they can learn a little bit more about um, sustainability and recycling in the process of looking at the illustrations and spotting all the different things that are in there.
1: Now, Sam, is Harriet modelled on one of your children, perhaps?
5: Oh, she's a little bit like my daughter.
1: But ah. That is true. Uh,
5: she's, she, my daughter Evie, loves loves the garden, and she loves getting down and dirty. And all three of my children love loved worms and ickiness and everything that that kids love doing um so they were really inspiring
1: but if if worms are so icky why are they so good for the garden why are the
5: worms so good for mm. the garden well look i think worms do a lot of brilliant things um for us in our garden i know that we've got a worm farm at home we've got a something called a worm cafe mm-hmm. and go through our worm scraps our, sorry our food scraps we put them into the, the worm cafe and get um, beautiful worm tea out of it um, and a lot of worm poo for our veggie, veggie patch and yep. the garden just seems to thrive on it.
1: Yeah, I've got one and I must say you're absolutely right spot on there. it's a, such a, a bonus to the garden from what they produce. Is there and can you advise us Is there anything we shouldn't be putting into the worm farm for the worms to eat or into our compost? Are there any vegetables or fruits that we should avoid that they don't really like? Well, I
5: should probably preface this by saying I'm an enthusiastic gardener, not an expert one, but I think that um, the ones to kind of avoid in moderation are things like onions and citrus um, and avocado pips, But it will all eventually break down. Um, Meat, there's a a bit of a debate around meat and including that in your compost. Um, But obviously, it all eventually breaks down. Otherwise, we'd be surrounded by, you know, a world of citrus.
6: Mm.
4: Um,
5: I think it all just comes down to having the right balance in your worm farm and um, having diversity, And chopping things up really small for the worms. Worms have no teeth so that's what I always remind the children they don't have any teeth so keep that in mind when you're chopping up your scraps for the worm farm.
2: Wonderful. It ticks a lot of boxes Mm. doesn't it? Science, sustainability, waste management, animal husbandry Mm -hmm. and I guess there's also something about giving jobs to children, involving them in the daily tasks and helping them feel good about themselves because they've They've got a role and they can help and getting them outdoors too, which is hugely important.
1: And getting them away from pads and computers and things like that mm. and getting them involved in the food chain, producing food, which so many children these days have no idea what it's all about. But when you get involved with, with something like a worm uh, farm, as you, you have, uh, Samantha, with your family and so many people are moving towards but need some encouragement, it, it's just so rewarding for all ages.
2: Samantha, have you had other visitors come to your worm farm as well?
5: Look, we have our worm farm outside our kitchen. So apart from the people that have come to our house for, for dinner or lunch, they, they've seen it. Um, but it's always it's a topic of conversation and people enjoy seeing how it works. My father-in-law actually has an amazing worm farm. He's got a really large one that he built himself um, and it's become a central part of his garden, uh, and I think it's just, you know, when you get into the habit of it, it becomes a real joy in your day to, you know, do that. The mindful art of chopping up the food for the worm farm and, and feeding it, um, we really enjoy it. So it has become a, a real central part to our family. And I think you're right when you said around engaging engaging children in simple, small steps as mm. part of their daily routine. They really do feel empowered and motivated, um, to make a positive difference when they can see that it can become just a natural part of our, of our daily routine uh, to, to get involved.
1: Harriet's Hungry Worms is published now. Where can we find it? You can find it hopefully in all good
5: bookshops. You can also buy it online on Amazon. You can buy it through EK Books who published, uh, published the book. So it, it is available um, around Australia and also in the UK and Canada and and the US. How's it going? I'm not sure yet because we only launched it in May, but um, it it has been seen at number one in its category on Amazon for kids' books in gardening, which is a delight wow. to see. So I'm hoping it I'm hoping it gets a lot of um, great readers. But what I'm really hoping is that kids just really enjoy it and and they get inspired to roll up their sleeves and put their kitchen food scraps to good use at home.
1: Well, well congratulations. It's written for children, isn't it? But can, can adults read it too and get benefits from it? I would hope so. <laughs>
5: do you know? I uh, my
2: friends who have bought it have gone. Wow, well, I didn't know that I could ah, do this. Like, there yeah. you go. It's not just a three-year-old. But do you know what I found? A lot of books that are written for adults are full of words mm. and yeah. and they're not as easy to understand. Whereas the kids' books, they've got all the facts yep. and they've got it in a nutshell in, a, in big print, which yes. happens um, <laughs> to be good. So that's fantastic. Will there be another book, Samantha? Well, I'm hoping to do my
5: next book on native bees. Oh,
1: oh wonderful.
5: Oh, i So, of um, really, yeah, really hoping to do that. And, um, you know showing how kids can build their own bee hotel at home and the importance of native bees and planting native flowers etc so Samantha,
1: you're really... talking to somebody who just loves bees not me i'm talking about faye mm. she's having a love affair uh, with them
2: well we have identified we'll chat. <laughs> yeah i would love to we have identified nearly 40 at our place in Jandicott. That's with photos wow. so and wow. counting and just adding more flowers and, and watching them. But when I said about visitors to the worm farm, I kind of meant other insects ah. because... Oh, other insects. Oh, yeah, sorry. <laughs> because sometimes I'll find slaters or beetles yeah. uh, because I put all sorts of things, including meat. So there's beetles that decompose rotting meat yep. and also soldier fly larvae, which are another waste management... Um, treatment. So the flies come in, and they. Sorry, I'm going on, but you know this is just a subject I yeah. love, and I I love to teach my grandchildren ab- about things that other people might think are pests. But this is how it works. So mm. it's all learning.
1: And we're like yeah. you. We're like I you. Yeah, it. Samantha, we're like you. We we, we, we love worms. There, You don't have a garden or a productive and, and a, a wonderful producing garden unless you've got worms. And we wish you the very best for this book. Harriet's Hungry Worms, available in a bookstore near you. Thank you very much for uh, for joining us this morning. Sorry, Faye, go And ahead.
2: much appreciated. Samantha's given us oh. two books to give away, Chris. Good. So these must be collected from the station. So I'll let you do the announcements about that. But thank you, Samantha. Really appreciate that as well and giving the listeners an opportunity to have a a look and own one of these books. Thanks so much for having me. Pleasure. It's right have, chat.
1: A, have a great weekend. Thank you, Samantha. That was indeed Samantha Smith, the author of Harriet's Hungry Worms. And as Faye said, we have two books to give away now. They must be collected from the station and you must be a Curtain Club member to have uh, scored these books. And it's quite simple. The first two callers on 94841927 who call up and say, I'd like one of those Hungry Worm books. They will be yours and we'll tell you who you are in a very short space of time. Um, we will move on now because we've got some callers who've been waiting very patiently. And I must thank Kay and Port Kennedy. You've been sitting around for a little while. But you have a question about Silverbeet this morning, Kay. Good morning.
2: Hello, Faye. Hi, Kay. How are you doing? Yeah, pretty good. And I hear you've had a nice little holiday. I did. recharge the batteries and lovely, here I go again. Lovely. <laughs> I'm struggling with my Silverbeet.
7: And you text me too to... Um Give me a name of the one that you. I can't get oh, it anywhere.
2: Ford Hook Giant is my. Yeah,
7: but they don't have it anywhere.
2: Oh. I've been trying in the nursery. I tried in the big store.
7: The big, the big, big one that starts with B. I can't. I won't say that over the over the <laughs> over the air.
1: How kind of but you. you know
7: well, what I'm talking about, and I just can't find it. And I've asked them, and they say, "Oh, we're supposed to be getting some more." vegetables in in the next couple of days, and
2: I'm thinking, okay. Well, I don't know that there's a problem, but I I will investigate for you. And if I can't find it in my local store, I will contact Trevor Gay from Sunnyvale Nursery because he's the man who grows it, one of the growers, and he'll tell us if if there's a problem about getting it at the moment. But it's one of the, the common ones, and it's a good one. Big, green... Iron yeah, rich beautiful. leaves. I love it. If I could only afford it in the shops, Kay would buy it.
7: But because Kay can't afford it in the shops, I want to grow my own. Oh,
2: and save your long clippings because they'll break down and improve your soil. And I grew the best crop of silver beet on oh, long lovely, clippings, lovely. improved soil. All right, All right we'll check lovely on Lovely to that. hear from you, Faye. You keep up the good work in your garden and I'll keep listening. Thanks, Kay. Lovely to hear from you. Yeah, you too. Thank you. Bye. Bye.
1: I take it you know, Kay, do you?
2: No, not really. Only through the show and Facebook. A, a, friend, a friend on the
1: phone. Oh, the subject of worms is on Barbara's mind. Barbara's in Dianella. Good morning.
2: Hi, Barbara. Well, hi, Ray. Oh, it's I'm Faye. cherry
0: tree lady this Sorry, Faye, I'm the cherry tree lady that I um, met you recently at the Kalamunda Garden Show.
2: Yes, how are you?
0: Anyway, good, thank you. Um, I was at a tree planting, uh, not tree planting, but um, sand dune planting at Scarborough last Saturday. We planted 2,300 little seedlings into the sand dunes, but the reason I've rung is because um, when it come, I met someone there who was telling me that the water that runs off the worm farm is called chelate and do not put it on your vegetables. But I've done some homework on it and I've researched to get a scientific um, view on it because I have been dutifully watering it down, using it for everything, food mm. and all. So I just wondered if you had an opinion on that, the scientific evidence, unless you can't trust that either says that it is okay, um, but it's actually not what they call worm juice. The worm juice comes when you um, soak the castings in water.
2: Okay. So did you say chelate because would they mean leachate? Chelate. Leachate? Leachate, yes. Leachate, okay. So that's that's what, uh, you know, when you add extra water to a worm farm yeah. and it drains through yeah. then what you yeah. get is a leachate right yeah and so yeah. for 90% of the time well 100% of the time I guess cuz I'm probably a lazy gardener I would use that and water it down to put on my plants so it yeah. will wash through the worm castings but it will also wash through any unbroken down matter that I've put in there. So, in essence, it's all organic. It's all going to break down. It's, as Samantha talked about, in moderation. It's not overdone. Um, Yeah, I think, I don't know why you wouldn't put it on, except if you had put meat in there and you've washed that through, then that might not be good on leafy vegetables uh, because there are...
0: I've never done that, and I've never found there's been a problem. It was just this particular person who was well versed on worm farms, and she said to me, "Look it up." Well, I call it chelate, but it was leachate, as you said. She said, "Look it up. It's um, it's it, You really shouldn't be putting it on vegetables." But you know, after the homework that I've done, I don't I don't think that's actually true anymore. Um, but because she was, you know, mm. was so well versed in worm farms, I just thought maybe I'll get a you know, as you do, get a second
2: opinion. Well, it so, is, it's interesting. Yeah. Uh, it, it's worth investigating. I'd be curious as to why it would be a problem and I could see it would be a problem if you've added, um, you know, if you were a, perhaps a novice worm farmer and you were putting in an abundance of unbroken down matter, so you're then just watering through rotten vegetables and that sort of thing, Um but yes. I, I can only imagine that would be a problem if you actually put it on the leaves and then harvested the leaves, but yes. not going not into scientific. the soil.
0: Yeah, I'm not scientific, but when I read this, he was, he was asked, that the person that I was reading about on um, uh, the garden thing on Google was talking about anaerobic and, you know, sort of... Um, some of the things that are not so good for you that come through in that leachate. So he was saying, I don't know why people get confused with this because whether it's it's still coming from that um, the castings, which also has that in it.
2: Mm. So I don't
0: know. Okay. yeah. Making any
2: sense? Yeah, yeah. No. I I I can understand. And just by you mentioning the word anaerobic, um, mm. it you know yes that that might have. An impact, but if it's going into the soil, most times it's watered down. It's not the only form of of moisture given to a plant. No. All yeah, right. Well, yeah, cool. a a good topic Continue for research. Line. All right. Thanks, yeah. Barbara. Thank Thanks, you. Rick.
1: Thank you, Barbara. I'd love to have you on the programme. If you'd like to call, remember, number 94841927 or gardening at curtainfm.com.au. I don't have any news yet on the two people who have taken away the lovely books uh, that we had this morning. Uh, We're talking about Harriet's Hungry Worms, but we'll get to that in a moment. Let's take a break. It's 19 minutes to nine. Curtain Radio. Well, it seems like worms and kitchen scraps are on many people's minds this morning. Philippa from Bankshire Grove has a question. Good morning, Philippa. Good morning.
2: morning. Um, How are you? Very good, good, thanks. How can we help you, Philippa?
7: Um, i just wonder. a little bit embarrassed. I decided to start blending up all my kitchen scraps, um, and then I kind of water it down a bit. And I have watered some of it into the garden, but... I'm not
2: sure whether it does any good or whether it doesn't do any good. <laughs> oh, I absolutely! Kitchen scraps are great to the garden, for the garden, and better than putting them in the bin and and sending them off. And that is one way. I mean, in the olden days, what we all used to do: dig a hole and put it in. And now we tend to do worm farms or compost piles. So that is one way to do it. Um, depending on what your scraps are. You know this sort of weather they'll just wash into the soil, and all sorts of mini beasts and microorganisms will eat it all up, but John so is that has come good for it, yes, because it's organic oh, yeah. are, you, are you talking about raw vegetables
7: um... yeah um raw vegetables, and I just blend it all up,
2: yeah, I think that's fantastic because there are organisms in the soil, oh gosh, when I talk to Ellen from Earthwild about this sort of thing, she'll tell you exactly what they are. There's protozoas that do this and something else that eats that. Then there's fungi. There's a whole soil food web. And that is actually a great discussion for another day. But John came in on the break with information um, about the last, the last query where we were told that maybe we shouldn't be using the leachate on the garden. And he's come back with some information. Um, it's about vermicost- vermicomposting versus conventional composting. And an article that talks about the difference between an anaerobic, which is what you don't want, anaerobic, which is what you do want. It, a- it applies here. Depending on how long the leachate is left to pull in the bottom of your worm farm, it may become anaerobic. So this is what you don't want. If it smells bad, ditch it. The only concern I would have with what you're doing is if you were bringing in flies, blowflies, oh, yeah. you know, undesirable yeah. insects.
7: No, no blow flies. It's just that I've got a whole lot of uh, um, little saplings that I've grown from seed in the fridge, And I don't want to water it into that because I'm scared that I'm going to kill them.
2: Okay, well, the other thing is dig a hole not far away and pour that into it and then cover it up again. That might even be your best way. But on the the topic of uh, what is good and what's not good, also remember that sometimes we might add chicken manure or sheep manure to our gardens and salmonella can get up on the leaves, so you want to be very careful About water splashing up fertilizers and manures. John said, um, you know, a lot of people like manure on strawberries, but he actually prefers whipped cream. Me
1: too. That's that's so typically, John.
2: (laughs) Yep.
7: So I'm not going to kill my citrus if I water it. Oh, no.
2: Not at all. And then just put a little bit of mulch over the top, and yeah, they'll love it.
7: Oh, okay, that's great. Thank I you, Philippa. I just didn't really know whether I was doing the right thing or not. Of course you are. <laughs>
1: but thanks All for right, checking I with us we lo- love having your call and thanks for joining us this morning Philippa in uh, Bankshire Grove now we were going to give away and we are going to give away two copies of Samantha Smith's book Harriet's Hungry Worms and we offered two copies to the first two people to call and that was Roberta in Willerton and Margaret in Lansdale who do understand that they have to come here to the station to collect them and I'm sure you will they're great little books and they do encourage lots of worms and other people to get involved in developing worm farms in your garden which is a very, very good uh, idea for the present, but also for the future. Gary in Southern Cross has been waiting just a little time. He wants to talk about worms. Morning, Gary.
8: Uh, good morning. Yes, uh, all I wanted to say was uh, already covered, um, <clears throat> and that is that um, when getting worm leachate, um, you must make sure that it's aerobic, not anaerobic, mm-hmm. because you get uh, pseudomonas. Uh, et cetera, building up in anaerobic whereas uh, you should have nitrosomitas and bacta, uh, nitrobactas, et cetera. But if you do use it, um, just make sure it doesn't splash on the leaf or wash it off. It's still fine.
2: Yeah, that's that's exactly what I was thinking. I was trying to work out what the problem was. And yes, as you say, if it splashes up on the leaf and you take that, Inside, and you don't wash the leaf, you could be bringing in bacteria. Now, what you those terms you just use make me think of the nitrogen cycle.
8: Yes, well, that's exactly what's happening. What happens is um, you get um, your ammonia, which uh, is um, by the uh, breakdown of proteins, Um, so it it breaks down from ammonia uh, to. Um, nitrites and nitrates, so it 's uh broken down pseudomins and then nitrosomals and nitrobacters uh, do each, each stage and break it down so that it 's a usable form. Uh, the most soluble form of nitrogen of course is a nitrate
2: yes, yeah I, you know I can follow everything you 're saying because I had to learn all this when I was doing aquaponics, and it was yeah. all when you start a system, you get a a high ammonia reading. And then because of the bacteria that live in the um, on the material that you're growing in, mm-hmm. that converts to nitrite and then nitrate. And a lot of people who've got aquariums would also be testing for these sorts of things. It's, it's fascinating, isn't it?
8: It is. Most certainly is. Hmm.
2: Oh, well, thank you because you did further explain exactly what the problems are and in a more depth in depth way. So yeah. much appreciated, thank Larry, you Gary. Thank you, you. you.
1: Certainly taught me a couple of things and how to treat my worm farm in the future. Appreciate your call. Have a good weekend. No problem. Cheers. Thank you. It is coming up 10 minutes to nine already. I think we should be um, giving away something more in a little moment. But first, before we do that, 100.1 and it's a Radiothon starting on Monday. And as you know, we take great pride in being your station, dedicated to entertaining and keeping you informed. And with your support, we can ensure the music keeps on rolling and the gardening tips keeps on coming every Saturday morning. As I said, starts on Monday, but you can donate early if you wish to because you're otherwise dis- indisposed during the week. You can go to curtainfm.com.au and press the Donate button, and we thank you. We do thank you so sincerely in advance. And we'll talk later about some of the extra bonuses that this programme is offering you on uh, Radiothon because it will be Radiothon this time next week. But before we go further, let's move on to another quiz question for you. And this one is to do with Bigger Trees. Now, Bigger Trees has a huge range of plants uh, at easily one of the nicest nurseries in Perth with exciting new stock arriving every week, including those harder to find trees and plants. And they're delivering throughout the metro area so you can learn more. More at bigger trees that's b-i-g-g-a trees.com.au for uh, great online options including delivery across the metro area you can check out their facebook page and please note the bigger trees have been closed this past week but they will be opening again on thursday the 22nd of june that's next thursday i imagine they've been taking a well-deserved break treat yourself to a stroll through bigger trees nursery very soon here is the question again for curtain um, family members you must be able to prove your number when you give a, fa- a Bever call in just a moment to answer the question that John has posed this week, you can win a $75 gift voucher if you can tell me which fruit does Tom Jones compare Mary's lips to in the song The Green Green Grass of Home. Here it is again Which fruit does Tom Jones compare Mary's lips to? In the song, The Green, Green Grass of Home. 94841927. And we'll see who the Clever Clogs is this morning. So here we are. The time is approaching six minutes to nine. Laura DeVoy has another bulletin, the last one for this morning at nine o'clock. Maria in Middle Swan gave us a call. Faye asking the question... Can Chinese elms be propagated from cuttings? And if so, when would be a good time?
2: Oh, let's just throw that to John. He's sitting out there and I will move on with the emails. Okay. Uh, we have received an email, not sure who it's from, there's no name, but the lady inquiring about the silverbeet, mm-hmm. Kay, this is for you. You can, of course, get seeds of some of these varieties of silver beet and all sorts of other things. Um, freely available at all garden centres and you know sometimes even the grocery stores sell seeds mm. so keep an eye out there and when you grow them grow grow a few more and share them with your friends recently Ray and I shared in punnets of seedlings and planted up some herbs and I'm pleased to say that the ones I planted before I went away they're still as big as they were when I went. So now, that's
1: good news, Chris. Did I make a mistake? I threw some parsnip and carrot uh, seeds in the ground and nothing's happened. I'm, should I have been putting them in, in small little punnets and uh, germinating no, them first? No,
2: not, not with crops like that. Uh, carrots don't transplant well. Uh, parsnip seeds must be fresh. So if they're more than two years old, mm. you'll get a probably a poor rate of germination. Maybe I carrots, put them in too deep. You may have yeah. because they're, they're fine and small. So, mm. yeah, fingers crossed. Uh, but they'll, <laughs> with the rains we've had, the surface would have probably washed away and whatever happens, happens. You might find them a little bit further away.
1: I, I tell you, the nasturtiums in the back garden are going
2: oh, crazy. Love nasturtiums for wonderful? a living mulch. We've also received an email from Peter and she's got some very large troughs. They are four feet high and five feet long, and she wants to remove an artificial screen that's there and replace with a screen plant. There is a six-feet clearance to the gutter, and it gets sun to about 3 p.m. So there's lots of options here, but she's trying to gain privacy on the patio behind the area. Um, So I've made a list of a few things. Um, One thing I would do, though, Peter, is I'm a bit of a fan of putting plants in pots Inside decorative pots, that way you can move them a lot more easier. Mm-hmm. One of my favourites for hedge screening is Marea paniculata. Glossy green foliage can grow quite large, responds well to pruning, and quite drought hardy. So a couple of pots of those inside the planters, and then you can move them yep. if you you know if they're not doing that well. It's mm-hmm. a lot easier than planting into a big trough. Uh, also, there's viburnum, lily pilly, hibiscus. Apple blossom hibiscus is very large-growing and very fast-growing. And I learned yesterday, I oh, actually was listening to this show last week because we had Daniel and Linda on in my mm-hmm. place, which is fantastic. But Linda was saying the the flowers from the apple blossom hibiscus, you can squeeze up in water to make a shampoo. Really? Mm-hmm. So there you go, Chris. Should so I try it? That, you know, depending on what style <laughs> yeah, you want, but yeah, yeah. apple blossom hibiscus, an old-fashioned favourite. Mm-hmm. Hibiscus are just fantastic. There's lots of varieties. You could do grevilleas. You could do bougainvilleas. Uh, you could espalier fruit trees, citrus. Um, but there's a whole range. And going out to the nursery now and finding, instead of going with my suggestion, just go, Go and have a browse at what's on offer, what's available now, and speak to the nursery staff. So there you go. You could even get something advanced if you wanted to. Can I keep going? Yes, you can. All right. Also, I did respond to Janet this week about a very large Strelitzia that they wanted to give away. The person just had to come and dig it up. Or oh, anyone who's tried this knows it is no easy <laughs> feat. And... Um, yeah, I, I wouldn't recommend that. It will be a, a big job and an awful job. Why? It's oh, it's tough. Yeah. It, you root know, system? You've, the root system, yeah. it's heavy. It, it's really in there. The roots are so...
1: Do they go down uh, vertically rather than horizontally? They go both, Chris. Oh, so
2: you get in there with a shovel and mm. you try and cut into it and then you need an axe. Mm-hmm. Like I would go off at ground level... Uh, Because this is quite close to a building. Looking at it today, I would go in with, are they a macerating saw that you can get now? It's like a chainsaw Mm -hmm. or or like an electric knife. I would cut it off at ground level and I would kill it. I wouldn't even bother with the roots because I'm a bit of a lazy gardener. Then I would throw mulch over the top. and
1: What would you kill it with? Um, Any ideas?
2: You could put black plastic over it because uh if it can't get light and it can't get moisture, then it's... Yeah, no chemicals and then involved, a, just well, you yeah. could put a slab on top yeah. of the black plastic, mm-hmm. and then you could put a pot there. But there's also a a lovely banksia ground cover banksia that I think could fill that space. Or you could put a lovely native tree or or something in a pot there. A beautiful weeping grevillea or acacia. There's so many amazing plants on offer. Mm-hmm. And Linda from Warwick has written in about her. Hippiastrum, and she asks, should she cut the, the leaves at this point in time? And the answer is no. Um, it is in a pot. It looks like it's filling the pot quite a bit. In springtime or getting close to springtime, I would actually put that into a bigger pot. Because it is so full in the pot at the moment, if this was out in the rain, it's not going to rot. Mm-hmm. Because a lot of the root space is taking up the pot and it's not going to hold a lot of moisture unless it floods. If there's poor drainage, that could happen. Keep an eye on it. I would just put it out under a tree in the garden and forget about it until springtime. Put it on, feed it up and you should get some flowers then. And I can see that there's another one in a pot in the garden that's exactly what i do for this time of year.
1: Let's pause. Because we've reached that time, thank you. We'll uh, be looking forward to your calls in the second hour of the program between 9 and 10. Remember nine four eight Don't leave your calls to the last moment. Or gardening at curtainfm.com.au is a very convenient email address which will go straight through to John and he'll bring it straight here into the studio. Before we go to the news, we were giving away a $75 gift voucher to go shopping with the compliments of Kerry at Bigger Trees and Pickering Brook, which is. Is of course WA's leading frangie supplier and also specialises in ornamental and fruit trees too and the lucky winner this week who was able to tell us that the answer to the question what were Mary's lips compared to as a fruit in Tom Jones' song The Green Green Grass of Home <gasps> she had hair of gold and lips like cherries and Gregory in Rivervale knew that well done Gregory you are this week's winner it's nine o'clock very little chance of rain today I have to tell you. The forecast says partly cloudy but as I mentioned earlier there's blue skies out there at the moment. Maybe the cloud will move in later in the day. Not at the moment because winds are only predicted to be light currently the weather station says the wind is calm. Humidity is sitting at 90% and the current temperature in Perth is 9 degrees We should if we're lucky get to 16 degrees today and tomorrow if you're interested because it is the weekend after all. A cloudy day and 17 degrees. Pretty much the same weather pattern today and tomorrow here we are at six minutes past nine welcome back to Let's Talk Gardening we're ready for your calls anytime on 94841927 and a fascinating guest still to come may I just also mention once again Gregory from Rivervale won the um, Bigger Trees $75 voucher today we'll also have a a voucher from Green Life Soil Company in the coming hour so stay with us can I also just mention because it will be Radiothon this time next week that they're going to double their offer both of them both Bigger Trees and the Green Life Soil Company are going to give two vouchers away Fantastic. in the program. So, oh, hang on, I've got to turn your microphone Fantastic, on. Chris. Yeah, so $600 in value next week.
2: Wow, that's awesome, isn't it? And and I'm going to add a little sweetener. So last year when we had Radiothon, we also did an afternoon tea with the gardening team in my garden. Ah, so further details will come on just how to win that and
1: Where will we hear it first or read it first? On your Facebook page or here on the radio? You'll hear
2: it here, Saturday Uh, morning on Let's Talk
1: Gardening. Can I I just uh, correct myself? When I said $300 worth, that's $300 worth from Bigger Trees and $300 worth from the Green Life Soil Company, so it's $600 in value to give away next Saturday. That's more
2: than double. They're quadrupling their
1: offers. Correct, absolutely wonderful. We've got a guest coming up this hour. What have you got?
2: Well, I've also got a couple of emails and I just need to clarify that Linda talked about the shampoo Mm. from the hibiscus, but it was actually an email that came in from Elizabeth and the story goes, many years ago when visiting Bali, a young local man showed me how to make shampoo with an apple blossom hibiscus flower, holding it upside down, he rapidly and repeatedly dunked it into a mug of water. It frothed up really well, and he said this shampoo was the reason why the Balinese women had such beautiful hair. Wow. So isn't that Maybe I could have
1: beautiful hair too. Mm-hmm. At least I've got some. <laughs> you've, <laughs> had, you've got a good head of hair, Thank Chris. you very much. Thank you,
2: Ron. <laughs> now, this email has come in from Ron, who I met many years ago at a 6ix rock and roll night. Really? And he just thought he'd drop a line on weed maintenance to share a method that he uses. Every time he boils the kettle for a cuppa, he ends up with a little water left over. So he goes out into the garden or onto the paving and pours it on weeds. Mm -hmm. It kills the weeds and he's finding they don't come back. I don't pull them for a week or so, but leave it until it's well and truly dead I've even used it on the cooch in the driveway and it killed it and hasn't come back. What was I, it? Boiling water. Simple I as never, that. I never pulled it up, just in, disintegrated over time and okay. hasn't come back. A pet hate of mine is I hate spraying chemicals yep. all over the place. This method is great. It's obviously environmentally friendly and a great way to keep weeds down in paving. You probably know this, but I thought your listeners may be interested. I'm going I, to try that. I love it too. No, Ron, I, I tried vinegar,
1: but it, it, it didn't uh, really have the effect I wanted.
2: Salt and vinegar can work pretty well and pretty quickly. Um,
1: I like them on my fish.
2: There is a an organic... <laughs> you're one of John's kind. Um, <laughs> there is an organic weed killer called Slasher that is also very effective and the the weeds do die very quickly. Okay,
1: 10 minutes past nine, would you believe it? I haven't got drums in the studio, I haven't got trumpets, but it is time with our own particular vocal fanfare to welcome a friend to the program who is always a joy to share time with because this man is a fount of knowledge. He comes from Nanup, you know who I'm talking about. It's Dr. Bob Longmore. Bob?
2: Good morning. Good morning. Good morning, friends. How are you? Very We're, well. Very well. Is it crisp and cool in and up? About two, two
9: degrees this morning. Uh, dry, but two degrees. It rained very slightly overnight, but at last we have had rain this, this month, which is amazing. It's been very dry so far. Oh, dear.
2: So I asked you to go and have a wander in your garden and tell me Tell me what's happening and how beautiful it is. And you did send me a lovely photo of your deciduous pear tree that's coloured up nicely. Yes, that was a Barclay pear. That's always a bit second
9: after our Manchurian pear. We have a very large Manchurian pear, which the pears, these ornamental pears seem to do very, very well down here. And, of course, the Manchurian's a favourite because you've got sort of four seasons. You've got the buds, you've got the white flowers, you've got the green leaves, red leaves, you, you know, and very small fruit, which some of the parrots like. But, uh, yeah, it's very good. The other thing that we see on our block, we have a deciduous place at the back. You may recall, Faye, when you've seen it. I do. Uh, we've got the uh, Japanese plane trees. We've got the uh, chestnuts, uh, the sweet chestnuts. We've got different maples some of the American maples right at the back. We've got a couple of Japanese maples, which are very, very good. And they give beautiful autumn colour. Uh, of course, at this time of the year, we're starting to see the loss of a lot of leaves. Um, but generally speaking, very, very good. Uh, you will recall we have that pond, the swimming pond. Oh. Too cold, I may say, <laughs> to are swimming in at the moment. But our sun... Uh, uh, went in the other week weekend 12.2 degrees it was. I measured it.
2: <laughs> I'm shocked that it's too cold for you, Bob. I thought you were a trooper. <laughs> <laughs> I'm also very
1: sensible in my old age. I think you're a man for all seasons. I'll support you, Bob. Listen, did you not get all the rain that we've had in this past week down in the southwest this week? We've had
9: quite a bit of rain. Uh, the best was the other day at 16 mils, but... Uh, Generally speaking, it's dribs and drabs, but it's there and keeping the garden moist. A few weeks ago, we had up to 30-odd mils, which is very, very good. But, I mean, the major thing is it's been very dry. And, uh, in fact, I wrote about it in our local newspaper the other day, uh, one of the articles I write uh, about El Nino, because NASA are saying El Nino is going to be quite prominent in these next few years. Mm -hmm. And that means... you know, less rain, warmer winters, all that sort of thing, and very much warmer summers. So really, I suppose with gardening, we've got to adapt like mad to make sure we've got enough water. If you're collecting water, do it, please, and use water carefully. And uh, also, possibly it's going to change our planting uh,
2: varieties because... um, You know, we've got to have things which are going to survive the very hot summers. Well, Bob, when's that starting? Because we are having a cold, wet winter here. Yes. And our uh, summer was mild. Yeah,
9: ours wasn't too
2: bad. It was very dry.
9: Mm, Very dry. The dryness, which is the worry, because they used to say that uh, the southwest is uh, having a reduction of something like 20% in its annual rainfall. So it's becoming very much more strongly seasonal. None have always had a reputation for good winter rains, but I think they're a bit less now. Uh, I think plants will will adapt, but we'll in these next few years, we'll gradually see a change, I think. And, okay, we can put it down to climate change and everything. But, obviously, it's also something we've got to be aware of. In the garden, generally, things are looking pretty good. Uh, I was going to mention uh, vegetables. We're, I'm a great lover of the greens, you know, the brassicas, the kale, uh, all that sort of thing. If you hear noise in the background, I've got a mad dog running around. Okay, we're warned. Uh, <laughs> he's hopeless. He really has his mad moments. He's a little dog. We got him. We've had him for about six months now. A little Shoodle. He's a Shih Tzu Toy Poodle cross. Mad as a, meat acts, a Yes, dog.
1: I've heard that one. So there you were. You were talking about your green vegetables.
9: Yes, yeah, green vegetables, sorry. Uh, kales. I'll tell you what's been amazing this year, the pak choy. Pak oh. choy has just been absolutely superb uh, in one of my uh, IBC raised beds and uh, been picking them very frequently. And, of course, pak choy, to me, has the benefits that the, the stems are very, very uh, easily edible. You know, they soften
2: quite nicely in cooking. Well, uh, and it's one of those cut-and-come-again vegetables, isn't it? Because you could cut it off at ground level and it comes back again.
9: Yes, I just I tend to harvest any of the new flowering shoots and the uh, big leaves as well. We've had the leaves massive. Uh, and we've got uh, other vegetables planted, of course, like beetroot. We've got and still sprouting from last year, hmm. which is very, very good. Uh, and uh, different sorts of, you know, the silver beet, the Fordham giant, Fordhook giant is very, very good. And uh, I think the greens have been great. I'll tell you what I did have. Very poor germination of carrot seed this last year. Very poor.
2: Chris, too. Mm. hmm? Chris
1: had problems, too. Yeah, I had problems, too, Bob. I'm glad you mentioned that. Why do you think?
2: I don't
9: know whether it's the seed companies. Uh, We we didn't have much self-sown this last year or so. But I think it's the seed companies. I'm I'm hearing it from other people that some of the seed is fairly rough. Mm. Um, I'll tell you an interesting one I just purchased online. is a Portuguese carrot, 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 cabbage. cabbage, Portuguese cabbage, which is a loose leaf cabbage. It doesn't heart up, but apparently very, very tasty. So I'm going to give that a go. I just sowed the seed yesterday. And um, yeah, peas are coming up. I've got snow peas coming up very good. Mainly in the pot. I've got them in another bed, but they're not fla- they're not shooting as well because oh, I don't know, a different soil, different environment. But things generally very very good. We've had a very good fruit harvest this year. Maggie's done an awful lot of uh, fr- drying of plums. By the way,
2: I it's let, let, I was just going to say to you, I want you to wish Maggie a happy birthday to us, but you kind of beat me. <laughs>
9: <laughs> yeah, no, it's she's sitting here looking quite mused at the moment, <laughs> trying to calm the dog down. But yes, it's her birthday today, so, uh, you know, which is always a, it's a nice thing. And uh, this year is very big for us, because it would be September when we got married, it would be 55 years. Which...
2: Oh, well done. That's extraordinary. Congratulations <laughs> to both of you. Yes. It's
9: extraordinary. I think it's bloody amazing at times, but... <laughs>
1: Many happy returns to your wife, Bob. That's wonderful.
9: Yeah, no, she's a good girl. And uh, we're, you know, we really enjoy ourselves. And And is
2: she uh, busy with the Nanup Garden Festival this year, Bob?
9: Yes, I've got a few notes there for you. Um, No, she's flat out with that. She does a very, very good job because she is the chair of the Nanup Flower and Garden Festival and the village committee. Um, This year, let me just mention a few things. The uh, festival's on the 12th the 27th of August, 16 days. Wow. We have we have a new coordinator, Emmy Taylor, who is looking after things. And if anybody wants information, they can get it. If I go slowly, info at au. She's doing a very, very good job. We've got excellent visitors this year over the 16 days. We've got Costa coming over again, uh, Sabrina, Daryl Thorpe coming. Hannah Mahoney from um, Guiding Australia. Paul West is coming again, which is great. You know, a good guy. So I think we're going to have some real fun. And, of course, there's local speakers and local presenters. Um,
1: Including we, yourself?
9: Yeah, yeah. Uh, of course. What, what I'm going to do this year, mm-hmm. um, we're going to have a, an event at this block. I'm going to do my Shinrin Yuko, which is Forest There, has a presentation here on the block. I'll take them into the wilds of the bottom tree area, and uh, we're going to do something wilding for children as well. Oh, I'll lovely! Be, you know the idea that we get these get our kids involved in gardening and yes. appreciating nature, and get them off their phones. I mean, you can use the phones to take photographs, I suppose, but get get them offline, get them walking around, and if we can get them appreciating nature, it's mm.
1: all good for the future. Get them out in the fresh air and in the in the garden sorry Chris I said get them out in the fresh air get them into the garden doing something with their hands rather than burning their brains with the other distractions
9: well yeah and parents can actually set up one of the things I'm very keen on is container gardening mm. and uh, there's no reason at all why parents can't make a small garden let's say in polystyrene broccoli boxes that sort of thing yep. and uh you know, suitably ventilated at the bottom, a couple of holes in the bottom, but they could put some potting mix in fairly cheap and plant some seedlings and that sort of thing, get the kids involved in s- growing things which they can eat. You know, and sowing seeds like radish, which uh, comes up so easily, uh, planting uh, seedlings of lettuces, all that sort of thing. Yep. Doing oh, some, doing
1: goodness. something practical and, and being able to watch the whole process right through from the garden to the table.
9: Did you have a... Uh, uh... School do those. well. We used to do the peas and the blotting paper, you know, putting the blotting paper inside a, uh, a jar and putting some peas in and letting them sprout so that you've got the plant coming up. And uh, Maggie's just shouted to me microgreens, always a good idea. And of course, they can eat the product. Uh, I'm very keen on getting the kids involved in gardening, very, very much so. I and agree. even, you know, wandering around their local area mm-hmm. under supervision, of course, care, etc. But, uh, having a look at birds, uh, plants, insects, all that sort of thing. Uh, I, I think it's a great thing. It I was is. going to mention that we've, the committee volunteers and the Shire have planted about 25,000 tulip bulbs mm. so far. Mm. In, and that's not an exaggeration. we planted loads in pots and barrels, and the Shire were out the other day planting in some of the permanent beds. So it's going to be a very, very good Spring. Uh, situation.
1: When do we expect to see that bloom? I mean, in early spring, are we talking September, October?
2: I'm Timed for the, the, festival. the festival. Oh, of course, no, for the festival. Over the, it used to
9: be, well, it used to be called just the Tulip Festival. We mm. call it Flower and Garden Festival now. But at the 12th to the 27th of August, we'll see a very good August. display. we tried to set them up in terms of different heights and yep. different early, mid, and late season. So that we should get good displays. There'll always be tulips on for sale here as well in pots, uh, which is always very popular. We've got a town hall display. We've got loads of displays and stalls and special market areas.
1: Uh, but no, it's there's to be much amazing. to look forward to. Can I just say how wonderful it is to talk to you again? You are an amazing man of such interest and such <laughs> knowledge that we can't you know, spend enough time with you on the air. We could we could bottle you. I think we'd be selling you in, in great quantities. Before I let you go, though, let's go back. Was it nanupgarden.org.au or nanupgardenfestival.org.au? Yeah. Yeah.
9: www nana gardens all one word Mm -hmm. nanafgardens.org.au
1: nanafgardensplural.com.au.org.au
9: website and if you actually wanted to contact information you can get it at info at Mm -hmm. that address emmy taylor is our new coordinator she's doing an excellent job and we've got obviously we've got other volunteers doing great things joanna doing the uh, the stalls and everything Uh, It's going to be good. It's going to be good.
1: We are holding our breath in great anticipation. Thank you again for joining us, uh, Dr. Bob Longmore. Always a joy to have you on the program. Come again soon.
9: Thanks, Bob. Thanks, Chris. Uh, Always looking forward to an invitation. See ya.
4: (laughs) Okay, Bye. bye. bye.
1: 23 minutes past nine. Radio. We're back. It's 25 past nine. We're waiting for your calls on 94841927. We have 35 minutes left of the programme, and Faye is here with lots of knowledge to answer the things that you may want to know that are going on in your garden. You may need some advice or what have you. We did have a call from Shirley, I noticed, in Stratton, who says she's been using boiling water on weeds for a very long time and very successfully too. I'm going to try that. I'm going to try that. Well,
2: it's, it's an easy one, isn't it? And mm. it doesn't harm anything. No. Uh, yesterday there was an interview on the radio all about insects mm. and how important they are and uh, how it's such a wonderful time for people to be sharing information, Chris. We're in the information age. Yep. Everything's at our fingertips. We get a photo. We can share it. It's at its destination within seconds and we get a fix on it we can identify it and some things haven't been seen before. There's a lot of movement around the world, isn't
1: there? I agree. But, you know, you can go to many different sources, particularly on the internet, and can you believe everything you read? It's wonderful having a facility like this mm. where you can call up and talk to somebody of your knowledge to verify or to, to, to just clarify what, what to, and how do I and when do I and why do I. Mm.
2: Well, it's interesting because, yes, not everything you hear is Correct. Mm. And one of the things that just instantly comes to my mind is about bees. Mm-hmm. And this week I, I heard of a story where there were native honeybees buzzing around someone's tree and they'd set up a hive. And there's two things that get me about that. One is honeybees are not native. Mm-hmm. Like you won't see, you are unlikely to see or recognise native bees uh, buzzing around in a hive. It's just not really how they work. If you did see that activity, you are probably looking at European honeybees and it's not a hive as such. it It's a swarm that is either moving through or what I would consider feral honeybees where they, they've set up home in the hole of a tree, uh, they've set up home in a compost bin or a meter box, something mm-hmm. like that. Mm-hmm and they're looking for somewhere. They will sting if you get too close to them because they're protecting their honey. But often when they're swarming and moving through, it's because perhaps a a home bee keeper hasn't been managing their hive. They split off and off goes a swarm and sets itself up somewhere somewhere else. Mm. Um, And the honey then is not collected, but they can take over nesting spaces of our native animals, which... We, do, we really do need to protect, mm, don't we? Mm. Now, Bob was talking about the, the future of, of our climate. Yes, and I was going to
1: ask you about that.
2: Future-proofing our gardens mm-hmm. and the way we do things is going to become more and more important. Mm-hmm. I've been looking lately at sustainable agriculture and projections of not just how our climate is changing, it, it's always changed. But we escalate it when we clear land and we disrupt how things have been for a long time. Mm-hmm. The projection of our population by 2050 is likely to double. And yes. that is a scary it is. thing. You know, I'm hearing about people struggling, food prices are going up. Mm-hmm. That's obvious. Let's not worry about it all, but let's do what we can with what we know. I don't think we've ever been in a better position than what we are now. Mm. we We have wonderful ways of growing things. we We know about aquaponics, so you can grow fish and vegetables, you can grow in wicking beds in the warmer months where you fill up perhaps once a week, mm-hmm. and it's another form of lazy gardening, but it's also very efficient, a very efficient use of water. So we have a lot of technologies available to us. We have monitoring systems that tell us when we should turn off our sprinklers.
1: But we're complacent. We're human beings. We wait till it happens before we do anything about it rather than preparing beforehand with all the knowledge that is available. And people can absorb and think, okay, so how will I prepare the soil? What will I plant in my garden? What will survive?
2: Well, and how easy is it for us to head down to the local hardware oh, store? Cool. You know, when I was growing up, we didn't have a... we Well, we did have a local hardware store. It was a small building. It wasn't a warehouse size. Yep. But we didn't throw out a lot of rubbish every week. We had a little uh, galvanised bin that went out once a week. Mm-hmm. And it was half the size of one green wheelie bin, mm-hmm. if that. and was never full. We didn't have the packaging. Mm-hmm. Uh, but our waste... Our food waste didn't go into a bin. It went into the garden. Yep. So we were making our own. It would be nice to turn back the clock in a way. Now, when I was procrastinating yesterday, <laughs> I came across a calendar. And, you know, my mum always used – well, my, it was my mum's. She kept a lot of stuff. And so I was I was going through this. And it was a photo from 1979. And – you know, it, it made me think it would have been hanging on the wall in the kitchen. It would have been hanging next to the phone, which mm-hmm. was attached to the wall. Mm-hmm. And all the activities would have been written on it. There weren't that many activities, not like calendars now. Yes. I mean, the calendars is a thing of the past. Absolutely. But the photos that went through them, like a lot of frame pictures were calendars. Yeah, absolutely. They probably don't exist in a lot of homes now, do they? Everything's digital. It's on your phone. And it's filled up with, yeah. you know, there's this event here and that there and if you want something, you go to your local hardware yeah. store.
1: It's on your tablet or it's on your phone. You just t- tap on this and go there and it's part of the Outlook uh, software and yada, yada, yada. And it reminds you when you need to be reminded of this appointment, that event, so on and so forth. But, yes, all those things that kept the home a home, and kept everybody focused, mm. And whether it was around the phone, which was generally on the wall, and um, that's where the calendar was, and all those sort of things have gone through convenience and through technology.
2: Well, do you remember what the local grocery store was like? I mean, we didn't know. I didn't know what an avocado was back then. No. I'd never heard of sushi, no. never eaten no. it, never liked it, and then all of a sudden it starts growing on you. Oh, it's just amazing how things have changed. And we, they change
1: so quickly, we don't tend to sit back and reflect until <sighs> one day you go, but why is it the way it is? Why isn't it the way it was? I
2: can't, like the way it. Why, it
1: was. Exactly. Why can't we go back? Was life that much simpler then?
2: It was probably tougher. It was tougher, mm. but but it was real. You kind of, you, you earned things. You went out into a garden and you picked your food. Now they're trying to teach that to kids in schools because yeah. they think it's important for them to know. Like, we just grew up doing it.
1: It amazes me how many children have no idea how the food chain works, where food comes from.
2: Well, on our watch they're going to learn,
1: Chris. Good. Excellent. 94841927. Give us a call. We've got uh, 28, 27 minutes of the programme left. We'd love to talk to you if you've got something you'd like to talk to Faye about this morning. The weather is still looking good. It's good for gardening. 16 degrees expected today. Currently 11 degrees. And Marie is on the phone from Mandurah. Morning, Marie. You've got a problem with ants? (laughs)
7: Yes, you're all talking about insects and things and what we should kill and what we shouldn't. Mm. (laughs) Now, these ants have nearly driven me crazy this summer. I go to the shower, I get in the shower, put the shower on, and down up through the taps come all these little weeny tidy ants. Right. (laughs) Go out into the garden, and they've come up through the pavers and made almost a hill of dirt. So um, what... <laughs> okay, do, Marie. Do we destroy them or do we
2: leave them? Um, well, I can tell you what to do and that okay. it's quite simple. They may or may not be the same ants and they will get active in your paving before rains. But what you need to do is get a piece of sticky tape and collect some of the ants. Put them onto a piece of white paper and put them in a freezer, okay? So that okay. will... Slow them down. That the um, Department Pest and D- Disease Information Service don't like receiving squirming ants in the mail. <laughs> so, so
6: Freeze one, them first. Yeah,
2: so once you've done that, put them in an envelope and yeah. send it to PADIS, P-A-D-I-S, Disease and Pest and Disease Information Service, and that is Baron Hay Court in, forgetting oh, forget, forget where, well, I'll come back with that one. And yeah, they will identify them, yeah. tell you what type of ants they are and how you can manage them.
7: They're only little, little, weeny, tiny things. Yes. Big as a, big as a pin, really. And even on my bench, you know, if I've left a little bit of sugar or um, yes. stuff, oh, you come out and, oh, my cat food. I've had to put water all around a little dish so they can't get in there or you get up in the morning and they're swarming over everything.
2: Yep, and there's two types of ants. Some are attracted uh, to, to, I think, sugar and the other's protein or something along those lines. And, um, yeah, so getting Mm -hmm. the correct identification because there's a lot of ant products there. But if you Mm. don't target the right species, you are wasting your money and throwing around products that Mm. are are dangerous and waste of money, in fact. The funny thing
1: is they're coming in through the taps, did you say, Marie? They're coming up through the tap system?
2: Yeah, You know, coming up through, yeah, I suppose they're
7: in the pile. I don't know. They just appear in little bunches and I just wash them out. They go down the hole and then another lot appear. So there must be thousands of them. So you—you
1: are they on your bench tops?
7: They've come on my bench tops if, if I've left anything on there, like you so know, a little bit of.
1: Do you know where they're coming whatever. from?
7: Um. Well, not for those. Mm. Oh, I, I haven't actually watched them. I mm. think they just come in from anywhere.
1: Because yeah, if you can find their point of entry, it's good to try some talcum powder.
7: Yeah, I've done all that. I've tried help Um Salt—they hate salt. They won't come anywhere near salt. They just go around us and find another way in.
2: Okay, yeah. I've I've just got that address. It is number three, Baron B A R O N, dash Hay H A Y, Court oh. Ken, Kensington six one five one.
7: Kensington. What was the postcode? 6151. 6151, okay. Mm, that's great. Now, I rung about my Fejoa tree the other week. Um, we're attacking it today, so ah. my husband is He's going to cut the top off it now. We're not going to try digging it up to replant it somewhere. Oh, good.
2: I'm pleased to hear that. <laughs> So am I. So
1: you're going to cut it down to the base, are you, Marie?
2: No. Oh, no, no, just the top. top.
1: I'm glad I'm clear on that one, and uh, your husband is too.
7: And my avocado, well, he's in a wheelchair, so Uh he just has to use the, you know, um, the big pole things with the, um, the extension. Mm -hmm. Avocado tree is huge. So um, that's
2: the same. We've got to cut the top off that as well. Oh, I, Marie, <laughs> I'm scared for people cutting avocados in winter. Yes. I, oh, I would, right. I wouldn't do it now, simply because oh, okay. my understanding of avocados is that they don't like interference, uh, particularly in winter time. They're very susceptible yes. to right. um, disease. And yes. fungus. Okay. And if you do it in winter, with the cold, wet weather now, I don't think it's mm. going to recover well. And I oh, had okay. experience with one. I mm. did something with one in, in winter and it very quickly turned up its toes. Oh. So I'd prefer mm. you wait until closer it's to spring, hand. please.
7: Yeah, okay. okay. All good. Well, I'd hate to lose it because my daughter grew it from a seed, you know, over when she came over from New Zealand like 30 years ago. And now <laughs> I've planted it, and it would and it's grown and grown and grown. And so, yeah, I'd hate to lose it. It would be awful because yeah. it has beautiful avocados. Oh,
2: you're it. so lucky. Well done, you. <laughs> if
1: you need help, Marie, ask for it, for goodness sake. Don't put yourself in any oh, danger, okay? Yeah. <laughs> Have a good I, weekend. I and good oh, luck oh, I'm an That's Marie from Andrew And we're waiting for your call too On 94841927 Gardening questions up until 10 o'clock And then we're back into the 70s With Jim Crinan on the radio For a couple of hours uh, Until Born in Boots at midday It's now 21 minutes to 10 Catching Radio on your radio till uh, 10 o'clock. It's uh, Faye in the studio, Chris Bartlett here, sitting in for Ray this week, who will be back next week, which is a Radiothon weekend, with lots of wonderful, wonderful um, guests and lots of wonderful entertainment throughout the week. But on the programme next week, Bigger Trees and the Green Life uh, Soil Company are giving away four times their normal, generous voucher offers in the programme, and so you don't want to miss the programme for any, any amount of time. Now, let me just bring you to the subject of this the uh, the Green Life for Soil Company, Paul and Linda Michener's company. Um, and what does it say here? They've got a $75 gift voucher uh, for you to go shopping out there in Middle Swan. Green Life Soil Company have mulches and manures and compost, fertilizers, minerals, remedies for soil conditions, and so much more. They even have native fish for your ponds, worm farms. We've been talking about that a lot this morning. Seeds and seedlings, natural pest control solutions, and all the soil supplies and amendments you will ever need, all in one place. It's the Green Life Soil Company. They have a wealth of information on their website. Go to greenlifesoil.com.au where you'll find products to match your gardening requirements and much more. So, Uh, You can uh, join up for their monthly newsletter too. It's free and it's packed full of handy information. If you'd like to win the $75 um, voucher from the Green Life Soil Company this morning, of course, firstly, you've got to be a Curtain Club member. That's absolutely important. And you must be able to answer this question. True or false? 94841927 is the number to call. True or false? The grapefruit is the national fruit of India and Pakistan. One more time. The grapefruit is the national fruit of India and Pakistan. True or false? 9484-1927.
2: It's a great time for growing grapefruit and other citrus now, Chris. Is it? Well, in fact, they're they're ripening on the trees.
1: Oh, I'd love to have one in my garden.
2: But it is the time to check Mm. for citrus gall wasp. And so if you've got citrus in your garden... I'd like you all to go out and check for swellings on the stem. Okay. And if you do find them, I need you to cut them out. Okay? Why? Because the citrus gall wasp develops in the stem and the swellings get larger and larger and then they hatch out in spring and then they go off in search of other new growth where they lay eggs and do the same thing again. The damage to the tree is that the fruit will be compromised because it it um, takes over the tissue in the stem. So by cutting it out, you're maintaining a healthy tree, but you're also ensuring the spread the that you're not spreading the citrus gall
1: wasp. Describe the swelling. What are we looking at?
2: Uh, just just a swollen stem, a bulge mm-hmm. in the stem. It may be in the older stem, or you may see it in the newer stem. Size?
1: Just, what sort of size?
2: Uh mm, Bigger than a pea. Uh, okay. A marble size, but more elongated.
1: So a good sharp knife just to cut them no, out? No,
2: cut it off.
1: Oh, cut it off with a pair of secateurs. Yep. Okay.
2: Cut cut it back to the tree to okay a that. node, mm-hmm. and then you will encourage more growth, more bushy growth on the plant. Right. and. Yeah, they did do a segment on Gardening Australia where they were using a potato peeler. Problem is, you're actually compromising the, the stem, the branch, and so you're not going to get good sap flow to the leaves and to the fruit. So you might as well cut it off and ensure a healthy plant.
1: We've got a winner. For our oh, Green Life yeah. Soil Company question, which was, uh, is the grapefruit, the national fruit of India and Pakistan, true or false? And I'm happy to say that Susan in Maida said it was false. Do you know what the national fruit is of India and Pakistan?
2: ha! the good old-fashioned mango. Yeah,
1: absolutely right. Well done, Susan. You'll have your $75 voucher on your way to you, and we hope you enjoy shopping out of the uh, Green Life Soil Company in the very near future. Time is a quarter to ten. Cheryl in Mandra is on the line. Good morning, Cheryl.
6: Good morning, Chris, and hello, Faye. Hey, um, morning. I just wondering if you can help me with a question about uh, the pH of sheep manure. We're just wanting to add some uh, manure to the soil in Mandurah and wondering which manure would help us out to grow veggies in.
2: Mm. Um Right, well, I did ask John to follow this up and he's come up with, while sheep and cow manure have a higher pH above 8, chicken manure is regarded as a little more neutral with a pH level of around 6.5 to 8. This means that both sheep and cow manures are likely to raise the soil pH over a lengthy period of time, while chicken manure is likely to raise... The least likely to raise the pH of your soil. Now, yeah. you know it, what bothers me a little bit about that is that the the manures improve the structure of the soil, and it takes a lot of anything to actually change the pH mm-hmm. of soil. Okay. Over over time, organic matter breaks down and soil becomes more acidic. To my understanding. Um, I don't know that you will change the pH of your soil greatly by adding any manure, Cheryl. Okay. But your soil would already be alkaline, being in mandra. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so you could look at, at crops that do like a more alkaline soil. Yes. And... Have you improved the soil already? Like where where is it sitting at the present moment? Um, I think it's around a six point five at the moment. Okay, which is perfect. It's perfect yeah. for growing most vegetables.
6: Yep. Okay. We we've just been adding a lot of uh, mushroom compost and um, cow manure in a in a landscape mix. Right. And then we just want to top it up
2: with the manure in between crops, sort of thing. Why not top it up with compost? Okay. that We're That's probably a safer it.
6: bet. Yeah. We uh, try and make that, but it doesn't seem to make enough
2: to meet the needs. Got quite a oh. big veg Yep. Yeah. Okay. So so grow more as well. And also what you could do is throw in a green manure crop in between. That will okay. also improve your soil. And it's a break crop. So it will... Um, Annihilate any diseases in the bed as well. There you okay, go. something like mustard seeds. Yeah, mm-hmm. yep. You Fantastic. Got it.
1: Thank you, right. Cheryl.
6: Thank you very much.
1: Have you a lovely bye. weekend.
6: Okay. Bye.
1: Right, we have a couple of questions, uh, a couple of calls coming up, but we'll take a break and then we'll make our final run towards the top of the hour with a question about gall wasp.
4: Radio.
1: It is ten minutes to ten. Got a call? Got a question? Now's the time. 94841927. The subject of gall wasps on the mind of Marion in Balga. Good morning, Marion.
7: Oh, good morning, darling. you Thank you for the blessings of your wonderful program each week. Much appreciated. Thank now, you, Marion. this sounds absolutely dreadful, but I've just about given up on the gall wasps because I got two neighbours, I I when I first announced it my gardening lady told me, I gave them notes, I told them about it, but the one across my bedroom side doesn't do anything about his fruit trees. I let the guy across the back front of road for me it doesn't do anything. My next door neighbour started doing it. I started cutting them all out, an all day job for me, putting them in plastic bags, tying them up, leave them out in the sun and, and they're in there again, but I've had eye surgery. But I'm hardly getting any lemons on my tree since I've been cutting the jolly gore wash out. i am becoming quite disorientated with it.
2: Yes, uh, I can understand. And I think Ray's in the same boat. And I know there are people that are giving up on their citrus because they're just fighting a losing battle. It's one step forward and two steps back. So I understand your frustration, Marion. But if you're doing the right thing... Um, that's the best you can do, and trying to educate your neighbours. You know, there's a lot of fruit trees out there in backyards that are neglected, and I think, you know, people have have to be mindful that fruit trees come with a responsibility, like beekeeping, yeah, well, and you need yeah. to be responsible. Well, it's like your children and your pets, isn't it? Really? I was about <laughs> to say, I mean, it's like parents, yeah, you've got to be responsible. Yeah, <laughs> and it's like, you know,
7: some neighbours are just dead, lost, wasted time, doesn't matter how much you say them nicely, you be lovely to them, and you think... well. Of course, not doing nothing to help at all. Mm. And I've had to go and buy lemons, which is so expensive. Every year I was actually giving them all away because I had such a prolific amount of lemons. And now I think, do I just give up on the jolly things? Do I stand there all day and muck around with it? Well,
2: you know what? I think um, I'm, I'm going forward with new ideas about growing and future proofing the security of fruit and vegetables in our garden and I think we have to go up a level and that kind of means netting things and creating barriers and traps and yeah we we have to upskill and we have to do it better so we work out our threats and weaknesses and then we design a system to manage it or we grow something else and swap with others
7: yeah, I love my lemon tree though, but um, the thing is you can't really get any traps for gore wasps, can you? Like you can with fruit
2: flies. No, I think nets are probably the thing at the appropriate time. Yeah, okay. yeah. We need to move on, Pam, because we've got two other Marianne. calls about... Sorry, oh, Marion. Okay. Got... I'll, I'll, I'll ring you next week about establishing a cacti garden. Okay, oh, okay. Well, you do that. You do that. Thank you so, so much for your trouble. Thank okay. you, Marion.
1: Marion and Belga, moving over to Mundaring. Morning, Margaret.
2: Good morning. Good Hi, evening. how are you, Marion? Um, how are you, Margaret? Margaret, my <laughs> Mary. <laughs> I know. Last
4: week, while you're away, the um, I don't know. I can't remember whether it was Linda or a caller, rang in about the um, the gore wasp. And Marion, who just hung up, might be interested to know that. Um, if your tree is free of citrus gore wasp after you've checked all the boughs and made sure there's no bulging, mix up kale and clay in a slurry and brush over the branches to deter the citrus gore wasp from laying their eggs.
2: Yep, yep, that's a good one. Now, that now would if, every,
4: if everybody did that, I mean, it wouldn't take much, would it? I mean, I've got three six yeah. trees.
2: It would have to so, be done at the time that the gall wasps are hatching out and flying around, and it would have to be redone because it washes off. Right. Um, right. So, but, but that in combination with barrier netting could be, yeah. you know, it's worth a try. Yes. Yes. I
4: mean, anything that we can use yep. is mm. um, going to help.
1: You're absolutely right, Margaret.
4: So, um, but thanks for the show. J- J- Faye, your favourite silverbeet, did you say Ford Hook? Ford Hook Giant. So F for Foxtrot?
2: Yes, O-R-D.
4: F, F- yep, Hook. Right. And Foxtrot. Trevor Sunningvale Nurseries could tell us who's got it on retail.
2: Yep, I'll follow it up during the week. But, I, you know, I've always found it out there.
1: Right. Thank you very much, Margaret. Have a great weekend. Last call for the morning is uh, out to Balga, talking to Pam. Hello, Pam.
10: Yes, hello there. I've turned the radio off. Thank you, you, Pam. (laughs) Okay, Uh, It's about the gall wasp, of course. Um, it always seems important to me that it's not just necessary to cut the gall-, gall wasp out, but how you dispose of it. If you just put the cut bits of branches in the uh, green bin, then you're promoting the uh, the problem. You need to know how to destroy the gall wasp. What I've been doing is putting it in a bag and then laying it out in the sun uh, with the bag
2: sealed, of course, so they actually stew to death. Yep, yep, that that's right. Um, but also, if it's cut off at this time of year... It, my understanding is it's not going to be able to develop.
10: Oh well, that's good. Uh, I cut mine out about two months ago, and I've still got it in a polythene bag, roasting in the sun. Oh,
2: good girl. Well, there. absolutely. I mean, there would, in my opinion, there would be no risk like throwing that into the bin now, and pr- kind of preferably without the plastic bag. Oh, I don't, yes, I'll take it out of the bag
10: once it's yeah. uh, stewed. <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> And I've had no gall wasp repeat
2: ever since. I check the tree every day. I've now got loads of blooms on there, and it's looking really good. Oh, good on well good on you, Pam. I mean, if everybody does what they can, you know, ho- hopefully, what will happen is there will become a, a predator or a parasite of that wasp, which is what happened a bit more with the potato tomato salad that we re- rarely hear hear of. These days, when it first emerged, it was quite a problem, but it's it's faded into the background and other insects have found that it's a food source. They've become familiar with it and... It's not the problem that it was.
10: <laughs> yeah. No, I, I, I'm going through a whole new phase of gardening out here because, of course, I'm from UK and it's different weather, different conditions, different soil uh, back in there. You could just uh, dig a hole in the garden, put anything in there, and it will
2: grow. As long yeah. <laughs> well, I hope you like a challenge, Pam. <laughs> oh, I do. <laughs> oh, good on you. Thank you for your call.
1: Thanks so much. Okay. Have a lovely weekend, Pam. Okay, so we've got two minutes left to the top of the hour. Then Jim Kreinan's here with The 70s Show. What have you got?
2: Marika has messaged us to say she loves our show, but she needs advice on pruning a lily pilly which is growing in a large pot to screen a fence. How do I prune it to make it grow tall and not so bushy? Mm. Well, I think the answer is you don't prune it because if you prune something you encourage it to be more bushy. If you just feed it and let it grow, it will naturally, it will grow up. But the minute you cut it, you will encourage more growth and more bushiness. So you don't prune it, just let it go. And I like this one. <laughs> this is from Gail. Hello, amazing team. <laughs> I must mention I dug out two dieties and in brackets concrete like root balls about 20 to 25 centimetres in diameter. I first cut them down to the ground, covered them with black plastic and rocks for about six months and they were still like concrete. I will never plant any again. Now, that was Dietes, not Strelitzia. Mm -hmm. Um, One was near a retic pipe, which was particularly difficult. However, using the axe, pruning saw, shovel, etc., I did manage to remove. Why I'm sending this email is I... Did injure the ligaments on either side of my right knee, which I did not know was a problem until my amazing chiropractor worked it out. Removing these dietes, which meant walking any distance, was not happening. Now, six months later, they're almost back to normal. The knees are hope. <laughs> Thank goodness. Being a really fit and quite strong senior, I would still advise anyone removing plants like strelitzias or dietes. They, they need at least a couple of strong, fit males. Or even easier, a bobcat. And that's yep. it. Warnings yep. on planting dietes yes. and Strelitzia. They're hardy, tough plants, yes. but if you ever have to deal with them, it's get some hard form of.
1: Yeah. Mechanical aids are much better than, than busting your, your butt because you think, oh, I'm a human being, I can handle this. Exactly. They'll, they'll break no. you before you break.
2: That's it. Life is a journey, Chris. This is my gardenism because Ray's not here. We are all passengers on a boat called life and we are all alive in the moment called now. The journey of life is so beautiful that it needs no destination.
1: That's wonderful. What a, what a lovely ending, an epilogue to another wonderful episode of Let's Talk Gardening here on Curtain FM. And you will be back next week, Radiothon being a special week, but you with a special edition with Ray back in the chair. Thank you very much for letting me be here this morning.
2: Thank you. It's been a pleasure and thank you for hosting the show. It's
1: always a pleasure to be here and I do thank you for bringing in uh, Dr. Bob. But, uh, no, it's great. Any time, I'm more than happy. Ray, get well soon. Everybody have a good weekend. I'll be back tomorrow night at 9 o'clock with the Sunday Soiree if you like music on the mellow side to end your weekend. Meanwhile, it is just after 10 o'clock and Jim Grinin's here.
0: We hope you've enjoyed listening to another edition of Let's Talk Gardening on Curtain Radio. Happy gardening.